0: Over 2,500 years ago, the holy city of Jerusalem was conquered by a hostile foreign army. Many of the Israelites were captured and taken to live as exiles in the enemy city, Babylon. The book of Daniel tells us the story of how God equipped his people to live faithfully during this time of captivity in a place with very different values than their own. As we seek to follow God in our world today, we can learn a lot from Daniel's journey. His story shows us how we can live faithfully. And integrity as strangers and exiles. Well, we're going to be in the book of Daniel for a few weeks uh, together. Um, And maybe some of you are familiar with the book of Daniel, and when you think about Daniel, you think about this. Right, the kids' uh, Sunday school story of Daniel in the lion's den. Maybe, maybe it's coming up on the screen, maybe it's not. Nope. All right. Well, maybe you think about being in Sunday school as a kid and your teacher had the flannel graph. Does anybody remember flannel graph? Maybe even in school. And uh, the the stories of Daniel and the lions' den, you you think about that when you're a kid. Or in the book of Daniel, we have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're thrown in the fiery furnace. And maybe that's what you think of when you think of the book of Daniel. And, and you think, yeah, I already know those stories, so I, you know, so I don't I don't necessarily need. This series, or maybe you're uh, you're somebody who has been in church a long time, and you get really excited about the prophecies of Daniel, and you think, oh, good, I'm going to get to pull out my charts and my graphs of of the you know the statue and the and the and the beasts, and we're going to get excited, and and uh, and and maybe that's what you think of when you think of the book of Daniel. Maybe for some of you, it's just kind of a kid's adventure story. Or maybe for some of you, it's all about these kind of crazy prophecies that that Daniel uh, receives. But really, I I want us to see that the book of Daniel is incredibly practical. The book of Daniel tells the story of of a young man and his friends who um, are taken away from their home and who are uh, really come of age in a kingdom that is not their own. They are the people of God living in a kingdom that is very different than where they grew up. The, the values of the kingdom of Babylon where, where they live in exile are very different. It's not a place that seeks the God of Israel, the God of the Bible. And, um, and we're gonna see that just like Daniel and his friends um, we can learn a lot about how to live in the culture in the culture around us, because just like Daniel and his friends, um, we are the people of God, and we're called to live in in a culture uh, that is that doesn't necessarily share our values many times. And so, we're going to learn some practical principles from the book of Daniel, and we're also going to get into some of the prophecy, and, and we are going to talk about the lion's den and the fiery furnace, so uh, be, be ready. We're going we're gonna to cover all of it, um, but I, I just want to read the opening passage out of Daniel chapter 1 as we get started this morning. Um, but before I, I do that, I, I want to remind you, we are in our 21 days of prayer. I mentioned it. if you don't have one of these 21 day prayer guides, you can get one on the way out. You can also follow along through our church app or on social media. And as a church, we're just seeking God together, um, to see what he has in our lives. And, and maybe, maybe you'll get something out of your reading of the 21 days of prayer, or maybe God will just put something else totally random in your heart and mind to encourage you as you seek him, because he really is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, and and it's good to be reminded of that truth. So join us in our 21 days of prayer, and this morning is also launch Sunday for Restoration Church, as we mentioned earlier. So after I read this passage, we're going to pray, we're going to pray for our time together, and we're going to pray for Restoration Church this morning. So if you have your Bibles, um, turn to Daniel chapter 1 it will also be on the screen where you can follow along, and I'm going to read uh, the first 14 verses that, that kind of give us a background of the story of Daniel. It says this in verse 1, In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim over to, over to him, along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon to the house of his god, and put the vessels in the treasury of his god. The king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility, young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction and all wisdom, knowledge, knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to attend or serve the king. Among them from the Judahites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief eunuch gave them names. He gave the name Belteshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. Now Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank, so he asked permission from the chief eunuch to n- not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then he examined, then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who were eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days At the end of 10 days, they look better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. Let me pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth. Thank you that your word is powerful, that it has the ability to transform and change us. Lord, I pray that we would submit to your word this morning. God, I also want to pray for Restoration Church, for Arthur and Jess and all the team God, that you would bless and strengthen them today as they preach your word. Lord, as they baptize and celebrate communion together this morning, uh, God, would it be a sweet time and would you begin to um, work in the lives of people and the community where they serve. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. Lord, bless this time. Thank you for this church family, for their encouragement, love, and generosity. Speak to us now. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, thank you. Um, So we're looking at the story of Daniel, and um, I love history. Anybody, any history buffs in here? Yeah, when I was a kid, I, I've told you before, but I I wanted to be Indiana Jones, right? I, like I wanted to explore, you know, temples in the Amazon and go into the pyramids and find mummies, and I thought all that stuff was was really cool. Any movie where there's you know where they're where they're finding things that have been lost for years, you, you know, it was it was really 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 cool for me. And, and I loved history even as a kid in class. Um, that was my favorite subject in school is I uh, would hear the stories of, of things that have happened and, and, and how, how people and nations and, and things have made a difference and, and um, had an impact on the history of the world. I, I love it. And so this morning I just want to take a minute and tell you that, that this story from the book of Daniel is, is history. This is real. These are real historical events. This is not just a Bible story. This is not just a a flannel graph presentation. This this is a a real historical event. The kingdom of Babylon that conquered the city of Jerusalem was a, a real kingdom, a real empire. Nebuchadnezzar was a real ruler of that empire. And so I, I want us, as we think about this story, not to just think about some random story, but, but to think about Daniel and, and these young men that were his friends as, as real people in history, that the things that the book of Daniel describes and, and tells us about them really happened, that they really were captured and, and taken to live in another city. And we'll see what all that meant in their life in a few minutes but, but they were real people, just like we are today. And just like they really lived at a moment in time in history, and they lived a life that was honoring to God and to his kingdom in the midst of, of, a, of a human kingdom that did not honor their God. We, we live in a time today where we can live our lives for God as the people of God and make a difference. And so as we talk about Daniel's story, I I want us to to think about him as a real person and think about our lives as a moment in history, just like his life was. But before we get into his life, I just wanna go back because I'm a history nerd, and so you just stay with me for a few minutes, okay? I I just wanna kinda go through how we got to this point where Daniel and, and these young men from Jerusalem were taken captive. Now, the nation of Israel, the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, um, the, the father of the Jewish people was Abraham. If you remember the song, Father Abraham had many sons, right? Some of you might know that song. You, some of you have heard of Abraham. Even if you haven't been around church, you've heard of Abraham, probably. So around 2000 BC is when we, uh, we pick up the story of Abraham in Scripture. And so Abraham left uh, the city of Ur, it tells us, and he went into the promised land, uh, just following God's instruction in his life. A little bit later, Abraham has a son named Isaac, and Isaac has two sons named Jacob and Esau. And Jacob's name is later changed to Israel, and he is the father of the nation of Israel. He has 12 sons, and one of them is named Joseph. And maybe you remember the story of Joseph and the the coat of many colors, right? And so around 800 B.C., Joseph's brothers take him and they sell him into slavery in the nation of Egypt. Joseph goes to Egypt and he's put in prison. Eventually, he's elevated to a position of influence in the kingdom of Egypt. And he's really second in command to Pharaoh. But scripture tells us that after some time, the Pharaohs forgot who Joseph was. And history tells us around this time, there was a major revolution in the nation of Israel. There were these people, I, I'm going way too far, but I'm doing it, okay? There were these people called the Hyksos people, and uh, they were overthrown by a new kingdom in Egypt. And and probably Joseph was part of that Hyksos kingdom and the people of Israel. And, and around 13 40, 1330 BC, uh, the new regime came into power, and history tells us about that. But the Bible tells us that at that same time, Israel was enslaved. The Egyptians said, "We don't like all these Israelites being around us," and so, um, so let's let's oppress them, let's make them our slaves so that they don't rise up and and try to take over. And it's where Scripture tells us the story of Joseph, The Pharaoh said, we're going to kill all the Hebrew babies because we don't want them rising to power again. And around 1370 B.C., Joseph led the nation of Israel out of Egypt into the Promised Land. We call it the Exodus. For 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness, and around 1330 BC, this guy named Joshua leads Israel to conquer Canaan. This is the region where Israel is, and and they conquer the city of Jericho, and then other kingdoms. Incredibly enough, history also uh, gives us a picture of, of what that time looked like. Around this time, 1330 B.C., there's something called the Amarna Letters, and it's from all these kingdoms in Canaan, and they say, help! These Habiru people are coming, and they're taking over all of our cities. And again, the Bible is, is backed up by archaeology and all these historical documents, and I love it, and it's incredible to me. And I, So around 1000 B.C., King David comes to reign in the city of Jerusalem. and And he builds a great kingdom of Israel. And then Solomon, David's son, becomes the king. And then Solomon has a son who's a lousy king, and he divides the kingdom of Israel in two. There's the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel. And they start to fight each other, and they start to fight the other kingdoms around them. And in 722 BC, the northern kingdom of Israel is conquered by an empire called the Assyrian Empire. And they wipe them out, and they conquer all their cities, and and they cease to be a people. About 120 years or so after that, in 597 BC, Daniel is taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. Scripture tells us about it. It's why it says in the third year of the, king, of the reign of King Jehoiakim, it's telling us that because this was a real thing that happened in history. It would be like saying, you know, in the, in the third year of the Carter administration or, you know, in the, in the first term of FDR's presidency or, you know, whatever. Like it's a real thing that really happened. Um, In 2 Kings chapter 24, it it also tells us uh, the story from another perspective. In verse 10, it says, At that time, the servants of the king of Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon marched up to Jerusalem, and the city came under siege. And King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to the city while his servants were besieging it. King Jehoiachin of Judah, along with his mother, uh, servants, his commanders, and officials surrendered to the king of Babylon so that the king of Babylon took him captive in the eighth year of his reign. Again, it's telling us it's in the eighth year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. He also carried off from there all the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king's palace, and he cut into pieces all the gold articles that King Solomon of Israel had made for the Lord's sanctuary, just as the Lord had predicted. That little phrase, just as the Lord predicted, points back to Scripture in the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah, prophets who talked about the conquest that would happen, that Babylon would come and and conquer Jerusalem because of the disobedience and hardness of heart of God's people. But there's something else cool I want to show you. This is a picture. This is called the Nebuchadnezzar Chronicle, and again, it's a little clay tablet and it's got cuneiform, which is the letters of the day of, of the Babylonian empire. And this tells the story of Nebuchadnezzar's conquest and conquer uh, of the city of Jerusalem. And it's, it was found in an old Babylonian city. And uh, again, it it just gives credibility to the biblical narrative and I I just think it's cool. So I wanted to share it with you this morning. So here's what I want you to know. This is a real story that really happened. Not only is it recorded in Scripture, but it's recorded in archaeology. And Daniel and these young men were really conquered, were really taken captive. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the, New Babylonian Empire, because the Babylonian Empire had existed for a long time. Does anybody, so we'll see if, you know, all the other history nerds. Anybody remember the name Hammurabi from, like, history class when you were a kid? The code of Hammurabi, anybody? Yeah, all right, all right. So, way before this new Babylonian Empire, Hammurabi was the king of the Babylonian Empire, and he made these laws and these rules that that really set up the foundation for Um, for a society ruled by law. Um, And and so the Babylonian Empire had existed a long time. In Genesis chapter 11, this is way, way, way before Daniel, and this is way, way, way before Abraham. This goes back to the time of of Noah and his sons. Genesis 11 says this in verse 2, As people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make oven-fired bricks. They used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. And let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered throughout the earth. Then in verse 9, it says, therefore, it is called Babylon because... It was there that the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. Probably heard the story of the Tower of Babel, and this is the beginning of this Babylonian Empire. It. it so, one more. Okay, I'm almost, I promise I'm almost done with the history lesson, okay? Uh, So let me just show you this map really quick, then we'll be done. So this green section right here was called the Fertile Crescent. Maybe, Maybe you remember that too from history. So Babylon is down here in this bottom, my left, your right corner. Israel is over here along the Mediterranean Sea, Egypt's down here, and I told you about the Assyrian Kingdom that conquered Israel. Well, over time, Babylon came to conquer Assyria, and they kind of took over the whole thing. I might have a picture of that as well. Yep, so Assyria took over everything, and, uh, and they, they conquered Jerusalem, and uh, th- this is kind of the place where all of this stuff happened. It really happened. And the story of Daniel is, is, tells us a, a real historical event, but. The story of Daniel also teaches us real spiritual principles. The story of Daniel teaches us real spiritual principles. It's not just a history lesson. It's not just a story about a a guy in a lion's den or or guys in a fiery furnace. It it has application in our lives today. And and there's some things that I want us to see. There's some spiritual significance to this story. One is the city of Babylon, the, the nation of Babylon. Over and over in scripture, Babylon comes to represent the kingdoms of man. It comes to represent the cultures and kingdoms of this world that that are opposed to the kingdom of God. That's why in Genesis 11 it says, let us make a name for ourselves. That is the foundation of the kingdom of Babylon. This humanistic man-centered kingdom, let us build a tower to the sky and, and do great things to make ourselves famous. That's the foundation of the kingdom of Babylon. In Revelation chapter 14, this is the end of the New Testament. This is um, 700 years after Daniel was captured in Babylon. This is thousands of years before the establishment of the Babylonian kingdom, the city of Babylon. In the book of Revelation chapter 14, Babylon comes to represent all of the kingdoms of the world, all of the kingdoms of men. As Christ comes to rule and to reign, in verse 8 it says, another, a second angel, followed saying, it has fallen, Babylon the great has fallen. She made all the nations drink the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. Babylon represents the kingdoms of this world. The Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, wrote a letter. It's called 1 Peter. He wrote a second one and it's called 2 Peter. Really clever titles. Uh, but right at the beginning of 1 Peter, I'm sorry, at the end of 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13, Peter says this She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends your greetings. He he uses that phrase to talk about the church that is in Rome. She is the church. Always in Scripture, church is the bride of Christ, and 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 um, and so she is talking about the church, and and Babylon is is the new empire that ruled the world at that time, Rome, and so Peter says the church in Rome sends you greetings, Peter was executed in the city of Rome, and it's where he spent the last years of his life. And again, he's pointing back to this idea of the kingdoms of this world being represented by Babylon. So it's a true story. It's a historical event, but there are also spiritual realities and principles that apply to us today, even though... Our time in history is thousands and thousands of years after the life of Daniel. There's things that apply in our lives today as we seek to be people of God living in the kingdom of this world. So here's the first thing. Babylon represents human kingdoms and the kingdoms of this world are man-centered. That makes sense because they're set up by men who say, let us make a name for ourselves. Let me make my mark on history. And we see some kingdoms of men that are pretty good and some that are really, really, really bad. I mean, we think of the evil empires of Nazi Germany and ISIS. If you grew up, as an American in the '60s and '70s and '80s, during the Cold War, right, we we thought of the Soviet Union. Our, our our that was our big enemy. And when you watched, you know, the movie Miracle and and the U.S. hockey team beat the Russian hockey team, you know, like this moment of pride, right? We think of all these kingdoms, but the truth is, any kingdom that is man-centered. Whether we think of it as evil or not is a kingdom of this world. The truth is, the country we live in is a kingdom of this world. One day, the United States of America will no longer exist if God tarries his coming. But the kingdom of God will last forever. Throughout history, there have been kingdoms of men kingdoms that are based on the values of humanism and secularism based on the values of making a name for ourselves it's important for us to recognize this reality that that there is a kingdom of men that is counter to the kingdom of god because the truth is most of the time we just float through life and we don't give much thought to the things that are happening around us. As God's people, you know, we, we, we see the obvious things and we say, well, that, I know that's bad, I know that's bad, but for the most part, we don't think about what we're taking in every day. The messages we're seeing, the things that we're hearing, the commercials that we're watching and the, the things that we're listening to, the culture around us. And just because you don't think it's evil doesn't mean it's not having an influence in your life. And the kingdoms of men are influencing our lives, and we just need to be aware that not all the values that are going on around us are kingdom of God values. We need to be aware. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. He says, look, there is a kingdom of this age. There is a kingdom of this world. And don't be conformed to it. Be different. Be transformed, not by your willpower, but by the renewing of your mind on God's word. In Ephesians chapter five, again, Paul is writing to believers who are living in the the kingdom of Rome, the empire of Rome. And he says this in verse five, verses five through 16. He says, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Here's what that means, pay attention. As the people of God, we live in the kingdom of this world, and we are hearing things every day, and we are taking things in every day, and we are believing things every day, and, and we are subtly influenced, and we are, and we are overtly influenced. Pay attention, do these things align with the values of God's Word? Be careful how you walk because the days are evil. And all that means is if you get in the boat and you sit in the stream and you don't have any paddles, you go wherever the stream takes you. And sometimes you find yourself up a creek without a paddle, right? Same is true as God's people living in the kingdom of this world, sometimes we just find ourselves up a creek without a paddle, and we go, how did I get here? How did I get here? So Paul says, look, don't be unwise. Be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. So it's important just to realize that just like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived in the kingdom of Babylon, we also live in a kingdom that is not the kingdom of God, it is the kingdom of this world. And here's another important principle, this idea of exile. The, the title of this series is Strangers and Exiles, and it's pointing to the physical reality that Daniel and these three Hebrew young men were literally exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon. But the idea of exile is, is an important idea in Scripture. It represents the spiritual state of God's people who are waiting for God's kingdom. We are not home yet. The kingdom of God is, is present, but it's, but it's not complete. One day Jesus Christ will come and he will rule and he will reign and he will make every wrong right. But today we are his ambassadors We are his people, but we live in the kingdom of this world. And so, this idea of exile is an idea that applies to each of us, just like it literally applied to Daniel and these young men. Again, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, he he says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those chosen living as, what's the word? Exiles. Exiles to those living as exiles dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, the chosen. He, he's, these places are all real places in the Roman Empire and Paul's writing to them and says, hey, I just want to remind you, you are exiles. So, so what does it mean? What did it mean in the life of Daniel to be in exile? Well, here's the first thing that it meant. When Daniel went into exile, Nebuchadnezzar in the kingdom of Babylon wanted to teach him the values of Babylon. Said, we want you to learn the language, we want you to learn the culture, we want you to eat all of our food. Um, wherever you're from, you got a favorite food, right? I mean, some of you who are, who are from the Caribbean, you, you have a favorite food. Caribbean food. Some of you who are, who are from different places in the U.S., maybe you're from Texas, and you say, Texas barbecue is the best barbecue. Well, I disagree. <laughs> or, you know, or, or maybe we just had a family, Wes and Stacy Ashford, who are from Louisiana, and they just moved back. And before they left, they said, we can't wait to get back because we miss Cajun food. Well, I, okay, great. They thought that was the best food ever. And maybe you have a favorite food, and, and maybe it's, it's a regional delicacy. And so, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he wanted the people to love their food, to love their culture. And so, he, he tried to give them the best of the best so that they would fall in love with Babylon. So that their allegiance would no longer be to the God of Israel, but to the empire of Babylon. And we live in a world that wants us to adopt its values. And so, we get these messages all the time, this is, this will make you happy. If you just get this car, if you just send your kids to this school, if you just do this or do that, or if you just have enough money, if you just take the next step up the corporate ladder, then you will be happy we don't think about it, but we're receiving this idea. We're we're being fed a, a set of values. And if we don't carefully look at God's word to see if those values align with God's plan for us, then all of a sudden we find ourselves chasing the American dream instead of chasing the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with success. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with those things, but But what are we pursuing? We can can pursue political ends. We can pursue religious ends for our own glory and our own desire. We can pursue health, we can pursue popularity, we can pursue fitness. We can pursue being hip enough and woke enough and cultural enough, we can pursue all kinds of things as we take in the values of the kingdom around us, but have you stopped to go, does this align with God's word? The kingdoms of this world want us to embrace their values and, and, and we see that in the life of Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. The kings of this world also want us to embrace their identity. There's a unique thing that happens in this story. It tells us that these four young men, their names are Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These are their Hebrew names. The name Daniel means God is my judge, Daniel. Hananiah means gift of God. Mishael means who is like our God. We sang it this morning, who is like the Lord Almighty, right? That was his name. Azariah means helped by God. But when they got to Babylon, they got new names. Daniel's name became Belteshazzar. That means Bel protects him. Bel is the god of Babylon. They said, no, no, no. We don't want you to be judged by God anymore. We want, we want you to, to, to follow and, and submit to Bel, our god. Shadrach means command of Aku. Aku was one of the gods of the Babylon. Uh, pantheon of gods Meshach means who is like Aku uh, again and Abednego means servant of Nebo again one of the gods of Babylon and our culture wants us to take on their identity it's, it's all over right now I mean it, w- when we think about politics we talk about identity politics right aligning with your people and these are my people and you are not my people and so I hate you it's this kind of cultural tribalism. We, we, we want to redefine our identity, right? Our, our gender identity. I, you know, biologically I'm this, but, but in my heart I'm this. Because we want to redefine our identity. We want to identify and, and define our identity as, as successful or funny. Remember superlatives in the school yearbook? most likely to succeed, class clown. You probably won't believe this about me but I was the class clown in my yearbook. I've toned it down a lot since then. Uh, So there's a picture in my senior yearbook and I'm inside of a trash can and they said, yeah, this will be funny and I said, okay. How do we wanna identify ourselves? Well, we live in a world that has all kinds of identities for us to just fit in. Think about your life in high school. We, most of us kind of go through ups and downs of identity. You know, one day we're, we want to be an athlete, a jock, and then we realize that we can't make the team. And so then we decide, you know, we're going to be, I don't know, a, a skater. So we get some cool skateboard shoes. And when I was in high school, Jinkos. anybody remember Jinkos? we want to redefine who we are or maybe you went through a country music phase and you had wranglers and roper boots some of you Garth Brooks was king when I was in high school some of God's greatest gifts are all too often unanswered prayers guys the theology of Garth Brooks (laughs) right because we're looking for identity Who, who can I identify with And we live in a culture that that says, you can fit here. Just do what we say and believe what we say. Follow us and you'll be happy. And Daniel and these three Hebrew boys, they showed up in the Babylonian empire and they wanted to give them a brand new identity. Hey guys, forget all that. Forget the fact that we just burned down your city, killed your parents. Come on, we're your friends. There's another truth about the kingdoms of this world. If we don't submit, they might burn down our city and kill our parents. I don't mean that literally, except for sometimes, when it happens. I'm not making a political statement, I promise. But we live in a world where if you don't believe what we believe and say what we say, then you are some kind of weirdo, zealot, outsider. And that's the place where Daniel and these young men found themselves, and we're going to see in the next few weeks how they handled it. But today, I just want us to think. I I just want us to take a minute and and say, what, what am I believing? What am I taking in? What am I listening to? What am I watching every day? Uh, I mean, if you're basing your life on the values of Fox News or MSNBC or whatever your flavor is and not God's word, then you're missing the mark. If you're, if you're basing your identity and, and your values on on any system of this world, wealth and prosperity, whatever it is, and, and not God's values, then... You're missing the mark, and it's not just about missing the mark, it's truly about living beneath what God has for you. Because we're going to see that that Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah chose to live for the kingdom of God in the kingdom of Babylon, and God allowed them to, to thrive, to live with purpose, to make a difference in their community. We're going to see how they did that, but I want to close with this. First Peter chapter 2, if you want to, you can go home and you can read through the book of Daniel. Some of it gets pretty wild and the prophecy stuff, we'll talk about that some. So if you have questions, hold on to them. If you go online to look for answers, you're going to find a lot of them. But as you read through Daniel, I want to also encourage you to read through first Peter, because it's really cool, the parallels. Daniel was in exile in Babylon. Peter is writing to the Christians who are living in the empire of Rome, who are being thrown to lions just like Daniel was in the Colosseum. None of them survived, though. They got eaten by the lions. And so the book of Daniel doesn't promise that everything's gonna be easy, that if we do what Daniel does, we won't have hard times and God will deliver us from every trial in our life, that he'll deliver us from every fiery furnace. But he tells us that we can be a part of the kingdom of God. So here's what Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 2. Remember, think about this idea of values and identity. 1 Peter 2 Verse 9 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. There's three things there race. As the people of God, we are not primarily defined by our ethnicity or our race or our culture or background, we are the people of God. And, and we live in a world that wants to the first thing that we say is I'm white, I'm black, I'm brown I'm fill in the blank Peter says you're a part of a new race the people of God and there is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free a royal priesthood sometimes we in the world we define ourselves by our religious stance and we fight about it and we start wars about it Peter says you're a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation we're, we're no longer defined by the borders in which we were born we're a part of the people of God a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, listen, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles. To abstain from sin de- sinful desires that wage war against your soul. That is the values of this world. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. The reason Daniel and these young men could survive in Babylon is because they had a hope that there was a kingdom that was coming that would never end. And they were people of that kingdom. We're going to see through the prophecies of Daniel, it points to the kingdom that is coming that will never end. The kingdom where Jesus will rule and reign in justice and righteousness, where he will make every wrong right. And in the meantime, we live as people of that kingdom. In a world that doesn't reflect its values. But Peter tells us, we can know that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart to God. And as we live in this world, we live as strangers and exiles. So we're going to sing the song, Give Me Faith. Because as we seek to live as the people of God in the kingdom of this world we need faith. We need to believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And for the next few weeks we're going to kind of look through some practical principles of what this looks like in Daniel's life and how we can apply those things in our lives. On, uh, on January 30th, that's the fifth Sunday, I think our kids are in the service. Is that right, Miss Sarah? Kids are in service that day, and so we'll have some fun with Daniel in the lion's den and all that stuff with our kids. But, but grownups, this is for us. So let me pray. God, we love you. We thank you for the truth of your word. It's not just some stories, but it's real. It's historical reality. providentially you have filled it with spiritual principles that help us to live as your people in the world around us so Lord give us the faith of Daniel to recognize the things that were happening around him the values of another kingdom that would pull his heart away from you Lord help us to be people who live with hope for the kingdom that is yet to come With integrity, with wisdom, and with humility. I pray even this week that you would open our eyes, make us aware of the things going on around us, the things that we just take in every day. Help us to not walk as unwise, but as wise. Help us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed as your people. And Lord, this morning, strengthen our faith to trust, follow, and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand up with me as we sing this song. If, if you want to come pray or or be prayed with, I'd love to pray with anybody this morning who, who just feels like you need that this morning. Well, let's pray. Give me